Well, we want to uh, get into the Word of God this morning. You have your books there, hopefully. Uh, we are going to be looking at lesson number six, the careless mind, the careless mind, the theme verse or the verse that if you want to try and commit one of the verses to memory and try and uh, ponder and think about something throughout the week, that verse would be Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Very uh, profitable verse and uh, challenging verse uh, for, for you there to consider. And it goes along with the thought here about the careless mind. And we want to be uh, addressing that topic today. You can turn in your Bibles this morning to 1 Timothy chapter 4. This is our text verses uh, for the lesson this morning, 1 Timothy chapter number 4. As you're finding that passage of Scripture, I will go ahead and mention to you, uh, I'm sure that many of you have heard the story or illustration give by, given by the Danish philosopher Sorian Kinkgaard. Uh, you know, he talks about the duck uh, that was flying uh, north one spring and uh, they're heading to enjoy uh, the spring season and the, the ducks are all flying over a beautiful Danish farm and the one duck says, wow, that looks like something. And as I catches the feet, it has just gotten tossed out there for those ducks that were domesticated and part of the farm. And so the duck lands down there and he begins to uh, partake of that feed that's right there on the ground. He says, boy, this is nice. This feeds right here. Don't have to work for it and enjoying some fellowship with some good friends. And he's enjoying that. And he just thought he would stay for a little while and maybe uh, jump in the next band of friends that were heading north. But uh, before he knew it, he had stayed an hour and then two and then he had stayed a week and then three and uh, just enjoying the comfort of the farm and everything provided each each time, each day. There was meal mood, meals just put out there for him. He didn't have to work for him. He thought, well, this is pretty nice. Maybe I'll just spend the summer here. And so he spent the summer there and thought, boy, this is just, this has been grand. What a great summer. Probably the best summer ever. But in the fall, when uh, his fellow ducks were heading uh, back south, he heard their cries up in the sky and he thought, oh, there they are. It's time to go. And he began to flap his wings and he worked as hard as he could, and, 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 but he couldn't get past the eaves of the buildings. He was there. Uh, but he was considerably heavier than he was at the beginning of uh, summer when he first touched down in that barnyard. And his arm and wings weren't quite as strong as they were when he first landed there. And so he thought, well, uh, I, I sure would love to join them, but I guess I can't right now. So I'm just, just going to wait. And he decided to weather out the winter there with his fellow uh, ducks on the ground. And, but each and every spring and each and every fall as... His fellow ducks made their journey north and south. His heart cried within him to be up there in the sky with them. He knew that's where he was supposed to be, but he had gotten careless. And he sat in the barnyard too long and got too comfortable. And then he couldn't be or do what he was really meant to do. That's what we want to be careful with as Christians, that we don't get careless with regards to our mind, it's easy to let our mind get in neutral. It's easy to just drift and to not really put some effort into thinking and pondering things. 
We see in our text verse here, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 14 and 15, he says, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by the prophecy, with the laying out of hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that they prophet may appear to all. He, these verses here we're going to dissect and consider as we talk about this topic of a, of a careless mind because our minds, beloved, are capable of doing so many things. The mind of the human, as we began this lesson and talked about the capacity of the human brain is really surpassed by very little in this world. We've got to be careful what we give our mind to. We got to be careful where we set our mind down and let it begin to partake of and, and, and soak up things that maybe aren't the best for it. Where you settle your mind is very important. Paul challenges young Timothy. He says, meditate on these things. He said, here's some things that you should meditate on. Here's some things that you should be giving your mind to. I don't know if you're like me. I always like to figure things out. I see things I don't understand, and I want to. I want to know what they are. Sometimes, if I'm in a truck stop or a uh, gas station somewhere, and there's a truck sitting there, and there's a piece of equipment on the truck, I don't know what it is. I'll go talk to the driver. I say, "What is that? What do you do with that?" A few weeks ago, I was in a in a gas station, and there was this lady that had these two uniquely shaped uh, stainless steel containers that were on a cart. And she was dumping one of them into the gas tanks the, the, in the ground where we're pumping the gas out into our car. And I thought, what's she dumping in there? So I went over and I said, you know, what, what are you dumping into the tanks? Is this some type of fuel treatment or, or what is it? And she goes, no, I, I work for the state and these are precise measurement cans. And I check the gas pumps to confirm that when it says you have a gallon, it has a gallon that you're getting what you're paying for. And then I dump it back in the tank when, when I'm done, you know. <laughs> so she said, I just go around and check them. I go from gas station to gas station. I thought, wow, in my whole life, I've never seen that before. But I guess somebody has to check it out and make sure that it, that it is pumping what it's supposed to pump. But interesting, just giving your mind and, and thinking about things and pondering things. But what is it you give your mind to? Uh, a little probably less profitable thing. Sometimes, you know, uh, don't throw rocks, and, and I hope you don't think less of me, but in my mind, I'll think about how you could get away with something. Like, if you know, it would be so easy to get away with this. It would be so easy to, to just walk out of this store with that. Look where it's setting. It's right there, but you can just pick it up and walk out. Or, or, it, or how could you get away with doing this or doing that and, and processing and thinking? Those things aren't profitable things to give our mind to. Paul says, hey, meditate on these things. In Philippians, he tells them, hey, what things? Uh, he tells him that you're supposed to meditate on. He says in, in Philippians, think on these things specifically. He says, think on these things. And then he said, what things are you supposed to be thinking on? He said, the things which thou hast both learned and received and heard and seen in me. So he was given some direction to him. He says, hey, think on these things. And that's Philippians 4, 8, and 9. Uh, you need to think about the, those things, the things that you had learned. The challenge as believers is to discipline our minds and our thoughts in the right direction so that we are thinking about and pondering the right things. It's very easy to have a careless mind, to let your mind just be entertained by the world and whatever happens to be going on and, and the old, uh, you know, ADHD problem, uh, just cat, uh, you know, we have, we have no inability to focus today and to really think. Well, 
if we are not going to have a careless mind, if we're going to have a mind that is given to things on purpose, there's several truths that we need to ponder this morning. First of all, we need to have a cultivation of truth, a cultivation of truth. It is a challenge for us to cultivate that truth, to spend time thinking about it. Paul had gone to a lot of trouble to mentor Timothy. He had invested and given a lot of time and effort into the life of this young man. And now it was Timothy's responsibility to make sure that that investment didn't go to waste. Timothy could choose to neglect the things that he had been, that invested in him. He could choose to walk away from those things that Paul had taught and instructed into his heart. Or he could cultivate them and become more and more profitable. I can tell you that for a long time as a young man, I lived in a state or a place where I was disregarding what had been invested in me. All that my mother and father had taught me and instructed me and the things that I knew to be right and good that I could take and, and you know, further and go, go beyond in, but I decided as a young man I was too proud and too full of myself and I just wanted to live my life. I didn't want to take what mom and dad had given me. I decided, you know what, I want to go. I'm just going to go do my own way. And so I was disregarding, ungratefully so and disrespectfully so, uh, disregarding all that my mom and dad had taught me and deciding that I wanted to go do what I wanted to do, forget about all that mom and dad had given me. But that's not right. I praise the Lord. There came a time as I began to mature and as God got a hold of my heart, I began to understand uh, the value of what my parents had given me. And I began to appreciate that. And I began to take what they gave me and cultivate it and strive to become more beneficial Every parent wants their child to go beyond where they are. Every parent wants their child to take what, whatever you can give them and then excel beyond that. I still remember the day when my dad came to me and we were building and uh, we were working on a project. I don't remember the exa exact project, but I had asked him a question about it. And he looked at me and he said, son, you left me a long time ago. And I said, what? And he's like, your ability to build is way beyond me. And I know that what I could do really is because of what he invested in me. What he taught me about working with my hands and, and, and being able to construct things and understanding mechanically how it works and, and put things together really began with him. But he said, boy, you've taken that and you've gone way beyond that. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. Timothy, cultivate I've given you some foundational tools. I've given you some beginnings. I've given you the, what you need to begin and go for God. But you need to cultivate that. You need to work at it. You need to be more for God, more than I am even, accomplishing that. Don't be careless, but keep moving forward for God. There is a call to cultivation. Each and every week, your pastor, maybe a Sunday school teacher, maybe a friend, Somebody invest in you. They, they get up and they teach the word of God and they share. Their, I just was talking to some of those that are going through discipleship back there and, and talking about the things they're learning from the word of God and, and digging in a little bit. There's a call to take that and to continue to think about it and to grow. Each day as you read the Bible personally, 
You could run through it quickly or you could cultivate those truths, spend a little time in it. What are you allowing the seeds of the word of God to become in your life? There's 168 hours in every week. You know, I was talking to somebody just this week and they were talking about the Sunday school lesson. And they were talking about the message uh, from Sunday and they said, you know, I, I find myself pondering and thinking about the message two, three, four days later in the week. Well, praise God. That's what the word of God is supposed to do in our heart. It is supposed to stir us and motivate us to, to, to understand it better and to know more and to really give our heart and mind to thinking to cultivating, to stirring up these truths in our, in our mind. It's easy to be careless. It takes work to think more about it. You know, if we give God three, four, five hours on a Sunday, maybe throughout the week you give him three or four more hours Let's just round it up and say you give God 10 hours throughout the week. There's still 158 other hours that our minds can be occupied in other things. And if we aren't careless, if we aren't careful, we'll be careless. And we'll let our minds spend a whole lot more time on things that are of a lot less value the prophet of the Old Testament understood these truths and how important it was for the Christian to cultivate a right spirit and a right heart with the word of God. Jeremiah cried out and said, break up your foul ground. Break up that hard heart, that area that needs to be stirred again, that needs to be challenged again. You can let it remain hard or you can determine and decide, listen, I need something to grow here so I've got to break up that ground Hosea preached in Hosea chapter 10 and verse number 12. He said, sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up your foul ground for it's time to seek the Lord. It's time to seek the Lord. Everybody's heart can become callous and hard. It can get unresponsive to the word of God. Anybody can reach that place. But it is our responsibility to keep the ground soft. It's our responsibility as individuals to stir it up, to contemplate and cultivate things, to invest time and energy in thinking. To keep our, our heart good ground. We're not going to go to the New Testament passage and deal with the different types of soil, but uh, every heart has potential to be uh, rough, hard soil, stony soil, or good soil. And it's our responsibility to keep it as good soil. Don't let the word get choked out. Don't just check off your spiritual duties, whether that's church attendance or, or Bible reading or, or anything else. Don't just check it off as a to-do list like I just did it. But do it on purpose, with a purpose of seeing God do something in your heart. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 14 through 18, challenge us with regards to this. He says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. It takes some diligence. It takes some effort. 
He goes on and he says an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath he written unto you. He gets down to verse number 18 and gives us that familiar verse where he says, but grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be growing in grace. But it takes effort to do that. It takes time of stirring, of cultivating. And secondly, we see it's a contemplation of truth. Contemplation of truth. Uh, We have to apply the word of God. So it's not just a matter of looking and reading a verse and saying, oh, okay, and we read that, but we have to apply it to our own individual lives. How does that apply to me? What impact does that have on my life? How is that going to change how I respond to others or how I uh, follow the Lord or how I uh, forgive? Whatever, apply it to us individually. It has to be an application of the word of God. Timothy says, meditate on these things. Meditation, beloved, is a lost art today. Really giving time to thinking through things and investing our mind in something. Henry Ford said, thinking is the hardest work there is, which is probably the reason so few engage in it. Thinking is the hardest work there is, which is probably the reason so few engage in it. Really thinking and thinking through things and and spending time, somebody else said, that little prefix, I think, is probably the most over-exaggerated expression in the English language. Uh, I think. Uh, But a lot of times people that start their statement with that haven't really invested a lot of time thinking about what they're going to say. They're just saying, I think this. It's just what they happen to think in the top of their mind. But have they really invested time and energy and contemplation in coming to that conclusion? Probably not. Oftentimes, our minds are consumed or invested in thinking about things that are of no value, as I began and talked about a few careless endeavors, but the psalmist says, stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your heart upon your bed, Psalms 4.4. Commune with your heart upon your bed. He's saying there's some time there uh, with an understanding of the quiet of the night when you lay your head on the pillow and you're starting to go to sleep and, and you know how your mind starts to think about things. He says, commune with your heart upon your own bed. Think really invest some effort and some time and contemplate and meditate upon things that are right. The psalmist said, This book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Meditating on it, spending some time thinking about it. Let me just talk to you briefly about this idea of meditation. Meditating is not digging into your own mind. Now, contrary to what the Buddhist would teach, The Buddhist would teach that self-meditation, this time of intercontemplation where you get a deeper understanding of your own mind, they say specifically that it is the only antidote for sorrow, anxiety, fear, and the list goes on. They they believe that that, uh, this state of peace and, and acceptance is gained by simple meditation, by contemplating and coming to a deeper understanding of one's own mind. But that's not what meditation is. It's not getting a better understanding of my own mind. It's that we might get a better understanding of his mind. 
The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So our meditation is not that we would get a better understanding of our mind, but that we would get a better understanding of his mind. That we could see things from the eyes of our Lord and Savior, not from our own eyes. We obviously have our own opinion. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That we have our eyes, but we don't need to understand our way better. We need to understand his way better and respond accordingly. When we begin to meditate on the truths, the, the word of God, we begin to see God and who he is. It's only through spending time meditating on his word that you really begin to get a glimpse of God and who he is. You begin to get guidance for your life. Sometimes when you don't know what to do or don't know for sure the decision to make or a direction to go, spending time meditating on the truths of the word of God, God will often give you guidance. And all of a sudden, it might not have been what you were pursuing, but God gives you clear direction in your life. You get guidance from him because you've been meditating on the truths of the word of God. Spiritual vision comes through meditating on spiritual things. We don't have spiritual vision just because we want it. But only by meditating on spiritual things do we get it. We begin to see things through the eyes of God. How many, uh, especially the older folks in here, you, you know your kids growing up, they, they like to say things, well, I'm not going to be like my dad. But ultimately, what do they end up like? <laughs> they end up like their dad. They're just like their mom. They're just like their dad. Their personality, the way that they walk, the way that they talk. Somebody said just a few weeks ago after dad preached when I wasn't here, they're like, it was like listening to an older you, you know? <laughs> like, it was just like listening to the same thing because we have a lot of, of the same mannerisms and uh, same characteristics. Why? Because we've spent so much time with them, because we've spent so much time watching them. Ultimately, we become like them. That's what meditation does for us. And we're spending time like that with our Savior. You begin to be like him. You begin to think like he thinks instead of like you think. You begin to communicate like he communicates instead of how you would communicate. Meditating brings peace in a tumultuous world. Just spending time, again, not meditating on what I think or how I feel, but spending time with God brings peace. It just brings you to the place where you're able to just honestly in your heart say, you know what, it's going to be okay. I know it's okay because he's in control. It brings that peace in your heart. Meditating brings power. You know, just like exercise or like, let's say, running, builds physical strength. Meditating and spending time with God builds spiritual strength. It gives you power to do what God wants you to do. Power in your spiritual life. Only by pondering and considering the deep spiritual things will a man be made stronger spiritually. Only by pondering spiritual things will a man be made stronger spiritually. Only by exercising spiritual things do you, are you, are you made, you know, no outward adorning makes me any stronger spiritually. 
I'm not a strong Christian today because I put on a suit. I'm not a strong Christian today because I have some outward appearance. People might look and say, boy, he looks like he's going to church today. That's a great testimony. We should do that. But that is not what makes me a strong Christian. It has to be an internal relationship with God. That is what builds spiritual strength. And that's where you become a strong Christian. Meditating also will establish priority in your life. So meditating brings peace. What we're talking about is spending time with God. Meditating brings power. Meditating brings priority. Sometimes it just will establish priority in your life. The things that are a little less important, not, not so critical, you'll say, you know what, I don't need to invest time in that. You'll, you'll know what it is that you're supposed to be doing. Letter B here, we see we are to awake to the word of God. Awake to the word of God. As we talked about last week, the cow that chews his cud and spends time thinking about uh, us that we're supposed to chew over the word of God. If we're going to do that, uh, it is best to do so early in the day. Awake, uh, in Psalm 63, verse number 1, Psalm 63, 1, he says, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and a thirsty land where no water is. He says, early will I seek thee. I believe that there is something about uh, seeking God early in the day. It allows you to ponder and think about uh, things for a longer period of time. It kind of establishes the foundation and the beginning of the day. But listen, if you're like me and you're not really a morning, morning person, you, you, don't, you don't wake up bouncing off the walls and, and alive, awake, and enthusiastic. You know, uh, if you're there, you need to find the time that works for you. You're not less spiritual because you walk with God at a different time. You, the walk with God is what's important. You find what works for you. Maybe you say, well, I got up this morning and slept through my devotions. <laughs> you know, or I got up and, and slept through my devotions every day this week. Amen. Uh, it's not doing you any good if you're asleep anyway. So find the time that works for you and walk with God. But the idea here, the implication, the longer you can ponder and think about the things that you're studying, the, the better it is. So there is some uh, uh, truth here where he's describing that early will I seek thee. You know, this could also be applied early in our lives. Don't wait till later. We only, one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. Don't wait till, well, I'm going to do it next year, or I'm going to do it once I get out of school, or I'm going to do it once I retire, or I'm going to do it, you know, always something down the road. No, let's do it now before it's too late. You know, there's uh, many things in this life that, bring distress, discouragement, and disaster, but meditating on the word of God brings delight. The Bible says in Psalms 1 and verse number 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. I wonder what does it mean to delight in the law of the Lord? What would you say? Uh, get a little bit of uh, feedback from you guys. To delight in the law of God. Any any ideas? What what? What does that mean? Ms. Crane? To enjoy reading. Uh, Ms. Betty's not here. Um, she might not be able to be here today because she's taking care of Jeff Eller, but uh, um, being a, a, nurse, a nurse to him, she's recovering from his surgery. Uh, but Ms. Betty told me about this ice cream. 
it's my affliction anyway, but uh, I think it was Tillamook. It's ridiculously expensive, but Betty said it's worth it. It is so good. So I took, I took Alicia the other night. I said, we're going to go to the store, and we're going to buy some Tillamook ice cream. So we, we bought some and came back and had it. It's so rich and creamy. I mean, just, oh, just melts and just, it was, it was a delight. I, I enjoyed it. I've been l looking for the next container of Tillamook ice cream, you know. <laughs> uh, the container we got's gone, but uh, just to delight, to enjoy it. Anybody have any other thought? Uh, to delight, what does it mean to delight in, in that? To desire it, to want it. It's something that you look forward to. Amen. Strengthening one another and, and finding that enjoyment, finding that delight in, in those things. And uh, that is exciting. And listen, let me encourage you to uh, really value uh, the friends that uh, can engage with you spiritually. Uh, iron sharpeneth iron. And we all need friends that can engage with us spiritually and that we can delight in the word of God to together. Um, Psalms 104, verse number 34 Psalms 104.34 says, My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. This is what it is. It should be something that's sweet, that we delight in, that we enjoy. Thirdly, here we see a uh, consumption of the truth or uh, the idea of being completely consumed, consumed with it. Is there, has there ever been a thought from the Word of God that captured your mind, having a captivating truth? Is there a truth from the Word of God that just captured your mind, something that you just got a hold of and it just captivated your mind, you just pondered it and thought over and over again? D.L. Moody said, I never saw a useful Christian who was not a student of the Word of God. I never saw a useful Christian who was not a student of the Word of God. I wonder, could you tell me this morning, is there any truth from the Word of God that has, in some time in the past, doesn't have to be this morning, but at some time, captured your mind and you just knew that, I mean, God was using it to get a hold of you or to speak to you or to educate you? Any examples of a truth that it captivated your mind? I'm putting you on the spot. Yes, sir. Amen. Something that just grabbed your mind. I remember as a young man, I was struggling spiritually. And I was so frustrated. I thought, I'm never going to get this. 
I'm never going to be a successful Christian. I'm never going to get victory over these sins. I'm never going to. And in my own devotions one day when I was a young man, this is all the way back in college, in Job chapter 17, verse number 9, I read these words. The righteous also shall hold on his way, and he that hath clean hands shall be stronger and stronger. And that captivated my mind. That just grabbed a hold of me, and I just thought about that and pondered, and I thought, you know what? If I can just keep my hands clean today by the testament of the Word of God, I'm gaining strength. And every day that I keep my hands clean, that I do right, I am getting stronger. He that hath clean hands shall be stronger and stronger. And that transformed my devotional life and my walk with God as I saw the potential for, for ultimate victory and success as a Christian. If I could just get through today and keep my hands clean, I would be stronger and stronger. There's been several times in my life that there's been principles like that, that the Word of God just grabbed a hold of my heart. It captivated me. And this is what something should happen. The Word of God should get a hold of our heart. It should be a consuming truth, something that consumes you. Jeremiah was obviously consumed with the Word of God. In Jeremiah 15, 6, he said, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me a joy and a rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord. Jeremiah 15, 6. The psalmist over and over again was consumed. We've read several of those verses, but Psalms 119, 47. I, <coughs> I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. Psalms 119, 72. The, lo the law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Psalms 119.97, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. And over and over again, the word of God and how precious it is. Charles Spurgeon once said, You should spend so much time in your Bible that your language becomes Biblian. So much time in the word of God. I wonder, does a Bible word ever sneak out? Occasionally, we have some words maybe that are from this world that, that sneak out. And we're like, oh, man, I, don't, I wish I wouldn't, didn't talk like that, or I wish that didn't come out, or that's not what I should be saying. But I wonder, do you spend enough time in the Word of God that occasionally a Bible word sneaks out? Do you think biblically? Let me ask you this. It, when something happens in life, do biblical principles or a passage of scripture often come to your mind? Instead of, you know, something of this world or responding just on, on a uh, basis of the flesh, if we are spending enough time in the word of God, it will be something that will happen. It'll just happen. Something in the world will take place in the family and a Bible principle or, or a passage of scripture will just enter your mind and you'll say, boy, that fits right there. That is applicable right there. That is for sure a truth. And you'll see the word of God being lived out in front of you. But you have to spend some time in the word for that to happen. You have to spend some time meditating, cultivating those truths. 
As we conclude this, this morning, uh, Isaac Walton said of the Bible that every hour I read the Bible, it kills a sin or at least establishes a virtue through which I am able to fight against sin. The Word of God. We've got to be careful not to have a complacent mind or a careless mind. We need to have a, a mind that we spend a little bit of effort and time and try and fill it with the truth of the Word of God. These truths. We want to bring this to a conclusion this morning, but careless mind. It's easy to be careless about things, to just let it go. It takes a little bit of effort to try and really understand. And I know there's some things in the Word of God you look at and say, boy, that's hard. That takes a little work. That takes a little commitment. You have to study a little bit to try and get a good understanding of it. It takes a little bit of effort. But if you're desirous of, of knowing the truth, the truth is there and it's available to you.